0: I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs, but how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
1: Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio.
2: Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.
3: Turning tomorrow, tomorrow night. Are you ready? To First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday! Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. In the dog pony Show. all eight six six. a Lars, that's eight six six. Hey Lars, crank speakers. it's Friday. Happy Friday! This is this it is. First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Find this
4: to the best of the Lars Larson show
0: welcome back to the Lars Larson show it's a pleasure to be with you and it's the radio Northwest network and I want to start off with this at what point do citizens in this case in Washington State revolt over a government that refuses to provide the minimal services that citizens have already paid for I want to talk about the ferry system in the state of Washington uh, about the 300,000 people who on a daily basis take advantage of that ferry system system to move them around. They've already paid the money, and the government of Jay Inslee has screwed that system up so badly that they're already saying ahead of the Thanksgiving weekend, uh, expect trouble. Expect that you're not going to get where you're going on time. Expect delays and all of that. I'll get you the details in just a moment. But first, welcome to the Lars Larsen Show. Welcome to the best conversation in talk journalism. It happens right here every day, and you're invited to take part. If you want to join in, it's 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, that is, you disagree with my point of view, Not only are we not going to screen you out, you're welcome, you're more than welcome. We're going to put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. You want to send an email? Talk at LarsLarson.com. And of course, you can always vote in our Twitter poll. We try to provide honestly provocative talk every single day. Imagine this question. Would you fire an airline pilot who praises Hamas terrorists and calls them brave people. Yeah, I'd, I'd sign up to fire him tomorrow if I was running that airline. United Airlines has done just that. They have a pilot. His name is, and it couldn't get much better than that for our Twitter poll, Ibrahim R. Mosalam. Yeah, he's your pilot for the day. Imagine this. He goes on social media on October 7, and he called the Hamas terrorists the ones who slaughtered people, the ones who killed babies and beheaded some of them the ones who put some people into ovens including babies into ovens and cooked them the ones who burned bodies yeah that group he calls them brave people ibrahim a Mus- Musalam, who said uh, acts of resistance from brave people who have endured decades of occupation Apparently put that right up on October 7th, the day of the slaughter in Israel. And guess what? United Airlines has now effectively said, you're gone. They have suspended one of their pilots. I figure that United is smart enough. They're not going to just suspend him. They are likely to show him the door. And if you're any other airline anywhere in the Western world, maybe in the Middle East he'd have an easy time getting a job, but do you think he's going to get his job back at United? Do you think any other airline wants to bring on Ibrahim R. mosalam who thinks that terrorists who slaughter people are brave people and that they've endured too much and that their attacks are justified? That's crazy. Would you fire an airline pilot who praises Hamas terrorists as brave people? I'd say yes to that. You can vote any way you like. At Lawrence Larson Show and at LawrenceLarson.com and always brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Now, yesterday, I know it sounded like a crazy question. Should any Northwest government charge a rain tax? Portland already does charge a tax on rain for almost everybody who lives in the Portland city limits. But now they want to extend it to people who have the best argument against paying such a rain tax. Portland justifies this tax by saying, well, the rain hits your roof, then it goes to your gutters, then it goes to your downspout, and eventually it ends up in the city's stormwater runoff system, which was stupidly combined with the sewer system a long, long time ago and apparently can't be fixed. So what do they do? They tell homeowners you have to pay a tax on every drop of, rain, drop of rain that falls on the flat surface of your roof. But now they want to extend it to people who live in floating homes. Now, I may have a bit of a bias. About 20 years ago, Tina and I owned a floating home, you know, like the ones you saw in the movie Sleepless in Seattle, the ones you see on Lake Union and, uh, and other places in the Puget Sound area, uh, like the ones that you see on the Willamette River and on the Columbia River, that kind of floating home. It's a great way to live, but uh, should you have to pay a rain tax for every drop that hits your roof, goes to the gutters, and straight back to the river, never going anywhere near a city storm drain, 94% of you said no to that crazy idea. Only 6% of you said yes, and I'm convinced that some of the people who vote in the Twitter poll just vote counter to me just just to be a contrarian, and that's okay. Glad to have you with me. You want to join the conversation, it's 866-HEY-LARS. If you want to know the whole number, it's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Now, WASHDOT and the Washington State Ferry System figure that over the Thanksgiving weekend, 300,000 people will use a state-run ferry as a way to get from point A to point B and back. The problem is Washington State, like so many things in a Democrat-controlled state with a Democrat governor, a nitwit like Jay Inslee, who makes wants to make it very hard and very expensive to commute any way you want to go. He wants to tax the daylights out of people. He can't manage to run the state's ferry system. For example, Washington State ferries has, well, they're supposed to have a fleet of 21 ferries. Two-thirds of them work one-third of them are out of commission 14 were working out of 21 they're supposed to have that means they're going to cut service on a number of routes including seattle to bremerton fontalroy to vashon island and Southworth and Edmonds to kingston well wow, what could possibly go wrong on a busy holiday weekend then, beyond that, some of the routes are going to have smaller boats than the road r- riders may remember. Seattle to Bainbridge Island usually has two jumbo ferries, which carry a couple of hundred cars, but with one of them out for a year to be converted to electric power, because that's the priority, not serving citizens, but getting to electricity, the route may instead run, run a boat <coughs> that only carries about 144 cars. It gets me all choked up. I gotta tell you, a major risk they say, this is the Seattle Times fish wrapper of having so few boats is there are no spares. If even one of them has mechanical issues, it may set off a shift of all the other boats to fill in the gap. they say sailings may be delayed or canceled on short notice this is what the ferry system is telling people we charge you billions of dollars over the decades to supply a system you pay a fee to put your car put yourself on one of those ferries And then the state comes out and says, by the way, heading into a busy holiday weekend, we're just going to tell you up front, don't count on the service being there. It may change at the last minute. It may be and will be a lot smaller. We only have two-thirds of our fleet working, and some of them are smaller. Now, does anybody think that's right? Because I've complained before about the fact that both in Oregon and in Washington, the State Department of Transportation, different from the ferry system but still related, they decided we don't need as many snow plow drivers. Some of them wouldn't take the jab, so we fired them. And they haven't filled out their ranks again. Oregon has the same problem. Heading into a winter where we may get a lot of snow. What does the state system say? In both Oregon and Washington, they say don't count on us to keep the roads cleared. All of this, and your taxes haven't gone down one thin dot. Consider that as you consider who to vote for in the year ahead.
4: You're listening to the best of the Lars Larson Show.
0: And with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers?
1: Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you're in an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all the capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 Exchanges? Then go to 1031Exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
4: Helping you know who to trust and reminding you of the principles this country was founded on. The world's going
3: crazy and they're to us.
4: This is the Lars Larson Show. You're listening to the best of the Lars Larson Show.
0: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And since we're in election times and we're going to be for about the next year and a half, I want you to consider something. It's fairly routine for us to warn you that uh, the future of the United States or the future of your state is at stake. But there's more than that now because it's very clear that some of the stakes include your kids. The control of your kids, the ability to indoctrinate your kids, the ability to break your kids away from your family and tell them everything good comes from the government, every value you have should mirror that of the government. And already we're seeing formal legislative efforts to do exactly that. For example, California's Governor Gavin Newsom, has signed a bill into law recently. It eliminates the ability of local school boards to decide which textbooks, which library books, and which curriculum materials are even allowed in public schools based on the needs and desires of the parents and the students. And I'd include... Just the taxpayers in general. Too often we hear, well, the schools only matter to the parents and the kids. No, they don't. They matter to the entire community. So should those decisions be made in local school boards or and where you at least have an are a chance to influence what is decided in your particular community? Or should they be made at a state capitol or even on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C.? Representative Jim Walsh represents the 19th Legislative District in Washington State. Representative Walsh, welcome back to the program. It's always good to talk to you, Lars. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Where do we stand right now, at least as far as Washington state's concerned about whether or not parents and the community in various communities around your state and my state too, uh, whether they, they get the judgment call on what gets put in front of their kids and into their kids' heads or it's decided at state capitals or our nation's capital hundreds or thousands of miles away? Uh, yeah, this is a problem. Not, not, not so good here. Uh, I, I try not to pay too
5: much attention to what goes on in California, but this bill passed into law recently down there uh, is trying to be a, a national standard, as, as the supporters of it and the governor down there called it. So it's an issue for people in Oregon and, and Washington. It's a state law, state bill, that, as you say, removes the authority of deciding which Locally elected school boards, where it rests currently, that authority resides with the locally elected school boards, and it puts it into the the control of uh, bureaucrats at the uh, at the state government level. And this is this is just the latest step in a trend we've seen of moving authority away from the locally elected school boards and toward the state bureaucrats. And in this case, it's especially sneaky, Lars, because the supporters of this. Uh, this power grab are using the rhetoric of book banning. They're saying that, that families, parental groups, local groups are banning books from schools. And that is not what this bill addresses at all. But they're using the rhetoric of book banning to try to make families that don't want pornography in school classrooms and school libraries In the book banners, which they're not, the stuff's available widely anywhere. It's just a question of what's in a school's classrooms, what's in a school's school library, and who decides that. It ought to be the local school board, not the unelected bureaucrats.
0: And by the way go back to the representation issue they're actually proposing or this is what's happened in california they're stripping away two levels of representation we are in a republic after all it's supposed to be a representative government and let us and yet as you pointed out they're stripping away your representatives on the school board i realize that far too many of them are there only because the teachers union wants them there and they're reliably liberal but you have a level of rep- representation there and you say well uh but they can be overridden by the state legislature except you have state legislatures who said we're not going to do it either we're going to let a bunch of faceless nameless bureaucrats that the voters may have never heard of don't know the name of don't know who they are or what their powers are those people who aren't subject to reelection or unelection uh they're just sitting in an office somewhere a couple of 100 miles away saying we make the judgment call the voters have nothing to say about
5: it and, and they laugh i mean The the bureaucrats, whether it's in Salem or or Olympia or wherever it is, or D.C., they, they consider themselves permanent. And they consider the legislators, they consider the school boards, they consider anybody elected by the people to office as temporary and moving along. And they, the bureaucrat establishment, I mean, some call it the deep state, they are the permanent power base, and we've got to push back against this Lars it's our system is built in the idea that the the deciding power, the control over things like what's in a school's classroom or school library, that's
0: what the representatives that the people elect, not and the, the bureaucrats that they don't and by the way, representative Walsh, uh, I know people are going to say, well, wow, you're saying it's pornography, but Lars, you're probably exaggerating am I wrong in saying that a lot of the stuff that parents are objecting to is the most objectionable it is so objectionable that when parents show up at school board meetings as they have all over America and said I'm gonna read from the book you put in front of my third grader my eight-year-old that the school boards blow a gasket and say you can't read that it's too dirty to read at the school board meeting to which the parents sensibly say well if it's too dirty for the school board meeting full of adults what are you saying about putting it in front of eight-year-olds? It, that's exactly right. People probably have seen or heard that that those stories, and they're all over
5: the place. They're happening in multiple states, multiple locations. Uh, there are books; they're not even textbooks. They're they're just kids' books. They aren't really kids' material. They're pushing uh, agendas about sexual identity, sexual, you know, sexuality, and and these are in. School libraries and, and it's, it's reasonable for parents and, and grandparents and families to say we don't like these materials in a school library. And the material isn't, if you don't have it in a school library, that's not banning a book. No. Nope. That book is still widely available to anyone who wants to buy it online or anywhere. So I don't like also that these radical agenda pushers are, are trying to say that people who are have common sense and just being reasonable
0: at book banners, that, that's incendiary language. Well, in fact, I book. think we should throw it back at them, Representative Walsh. We should say every single librarian in America, except the librarian of the Library of Congress, does not have some of the books that are in the world in their library. We know that for a fact. There is a school library in America that has every single book in it, which means somebody, almost certainly a librarian, has said we're going to include this one. We're not going to include that one. They make those choices. And what they're saying, in effect, to parents is you have no right to even be involved in that choice. It is made only by us. And by the way, librarians don't run for election either, and they can't be unelected at election time. That's Washington State Representative Jim Walsh representing the 19th Legislative District. Back in a moment. Glad to get your calls. 866-HEY-LARS. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest
4: Network. You're listening to the best of The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. For- Always lighting a fire under those who need it.
3: Fire.
4: You know who you are. This is the Lars Larson Show. You're listening to the best of the Lars Larson Show.
0: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. First, I want to go to our, uh, law professor go-to guy. And that is, uh, Northwestern School of Law, Professor Tung Yin. How you doing, Prof? You haven't been on in a while yeah good thanks for having me back on well i wanted to ask you about a couple of cases but let's start with the big one and that was the dismissal of all charges against joey gibson of patriot prayer this week because it turns out that the prosecutor's office the Multnomah county da mike schmidt show had brought charges against a man and he didn't have the evidence to back it up and that was actually presented to a federal judge some time ago And the state, the state of Oregon, came in defending the Multnomah County D.A. and said, hey, uh, at trial, we'll present all that stuff, Your Honor. Don't worry about it. And then they showed up at trial without any of that stuff, and they finally had to dismiss the charges against Joey Gibson. What should the public make of that kind of behavior by a prosecutor?
6: Well, um, one thing to be clear on, it wasn't actually the prosecutor who dismissed. It was the judge who granted a motion for acquittal, uh, which is pretty routine for defense lawyers to ask after the prosecution is rested, but it's really incredibly rare to get it granted at that stage because it does uh, operate as a double jeopardy bar. So most judges will deny that motion without prejudice and say, you know what, why don't you go forward with your case and most likely let it go to the jury. And then if they think that the defendant should be acquitted and the jury convicts, they'll set aside the verdict. But that way it can be appealed and the appeals court can um, reinstate the jury verdict of conviction if it feels necessary. For the judge to throw it out before even making the defense put on a case is, I wouldn't say unheard of, but it's really, really rare. I mean, it's a home run for the defense.
0: No, and and all Uh, I was saying was that prior to coming to trial, uh, Joey Gibson's attorney, who we talked to uh, earlier this week, or sorry, last week, uh, Angus Lee, he said, we took this to a federal judge and said, Your Honor, uh, throw these things, these charges out because the state doesn't have any evidence. And the state then represented to a federal judge, not the judge who threw it out this week. Uh, Your Honor, we will have the evidence at trial. But then when they showed up at trial, they didn't have the evidence they claimed they would have. Uh, they didn't have any of it they didn't have the eyewitness testimony or anything else and that's why the state judge then said okay i'm throwing this out you guys don't have anything to hang this case on and and i'm wondering should there should there be some kind of consequence when the state either you know the state uh, uh, the the da is a state official he's not a he's not a county official even though we call him the county da he's actually an official of the state of oregon when a state official and then the the AG's office stand up in front of a federal judge and claim they've got evidence to use to, to keep charges going against somebody for a t- total of uh, almost four years, I mean, well, from 2019 to present, uh, and, and then it turns out they lied, should there be a consequence for that? Um,
6: well, I guess it's not entirely clear they lied as opposed to they just were completely wrong of their assessment of the uh, the case. but. I mean, if we want to be a little more charitable. But I think the answer is what I often um, answer your questions, which is, you know, there's a a remedy here, which is the political process. When Mike Schmidt is up for reelection, the voters of uh, Multnomah County can keep this in mind and decide whether they want to retain him or boot him out of office.
0: Um, Well, okay, but, Professor, when you're teaching law classes, any of the lawyers that you're training, do you have the, if, if you, would you ever tell them you can ever misrepresent something to a judge, knowingly misrepresent something and get away with it? No, of course not.
6: Um, so I think that the tricky question that you're getting to here is, um, when the state uh, attorneys said to the federal judge, we will be able to prove this case, are we able to ascertain for a fact that they knew that they could not, Prove the case and that they were going through with the case just simply to harass uh, Mr. Gibson? Or did they honestly but incorrectly but sincerely believe that they actually had enough to prove guilt beyond reasonable doubt? Um, and, you know, I think it's questionable, but um, certainly possible that well, they really did honestly believe they could prove the case.
0: Except that based on what Angus Lee told me, He said they looked at all the different angles of video that were shot, all the witnesses who'd already talked about it, because he's had the case for several years. And when they went to the federal judge, they said, Your Honor, nothing that's been presented here shows that my client did anything like what's described in the law against riot. And the other side said, Oh, Your Honor, we will have eyewitnesses who will testify that what Joey Gibson's accused of doing, he actually did and then they showed up without those eyewitnesses and without any additional video and without any additional evidence. If they didn't have the evidence in hand at the time, in other words, if they didn't have a witness who was already saying, I'll come to trial and I will testify that he did exactly what you say he did, then, then you know, I would call that a lie. I mean, if you if you represent that you have eyewitness testimony that you don't have, isn't that what we call a lie? Or does the legal field have a different definition of it?
6: Well, some- Sometimes witnesses uh, turn out to be unpleasant surprises and you think that they will be able to testify something and it turns out that they either can't, uh, they change their story on the stand, or sometimes they just don't show up. I mean, you think you have them lined up, but uh, when it comes to trial day, you can't find them, uh, you know, unless you happen to have sequestered them ahead of time. But for witnesses, you typically would do that.
0: Well, I agree Uh, with you that there should be a political, you know, remedy to that, and you can vote the DA out. But in the meantime, it sounds as though a DA can bring false charges against people, claim to have the evidence, and then when he, when you show up at trial, say, ah, turns out, Your Honor, I didn't have it. Uh, you know, and no harm, no foul, and walk out the door because, because they, they want to harass somebody for, and this is the same DA who has declined to prosecute against people who have Antifa beliefs, uh, and, and then gone ahead and prosecuted a conservative like Joey Gibson, apparently for his political beliefs, and and then didn't have what they promised to have. It just sounds like something where there there ought to be a remedy that says you got to punish people for making false representations to a judge.
6: Well, um, I suppose that Mr. Gibson's lawyer and they could file a bar complaint if they. Well, they're, the they're going
0: to federal uh, court. Def- they tell me.
6: Uh, uh, but I was going to re- follow up on your your last yeah. point, which is the uh, the dis- you know seemingly disparate treatment of the um, 2020 protesters versus uh, the Joe Gibson crowd, which right. which uh, I have to say is the part of the case that I would find the most uh, vexing and maybe troubling is that. Uh, You know, I get there's prosecutorial discretion. I teach this in my class, and there are so many crimes, prosecutors can't prosecute every case. So they do have to pick and choose. But when you have the prosecutor announcing that as a matter of policy, his office would not prosecute sole riot charges only if the riot charge was attached to another another charge charge of a crime of violence or uh, serious property damage. Okay, that policy by itself, I I mean, I think, okay, it makes sense. There are so many protesters, you can't prosecute them all. And so let's focus on the ones who actually are causing physical harm or serious property damage. Agreed. um, As I understand it, when Mr. Gibson's lawyer said, hey, great, well, you know, that's the only charge against my client, the response was, well, that policy is not retroactive, which doesn't make sense because it was retroactive to the 2020 protesters. They... Did their alleged actions before he announced the DA announced this policy? So clearly, he's applying it to conduct that's already occurred. And unless there's a better explanation of why there's a difference between uh, the Patriot Boys versus the uh, 2020 protesters, it really does look like it's that. Oh well, the DA approved of the purpose of the 2020 protests but not uh mr gibson's conduct and you know without endorsing
0: or condemning what gives i'm for. up against the break but I, I, I never thought i'd see political prosecutions in america i thought that was for china and cuba and venezuela but apparently we've got it here that's tongue in from northwestern school of law you're listening to the lars larson show With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers?
1: Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 Exchanges? Then go to 1031Exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
7: Like a thief in the night, they stole them votes. Like a thief in the night, they stole them votes. Two thousand mules on a mission some mules on a mission rigging
0: This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show on First Amendment Friday. And as you know, we're heading up to the holidays. And one of the things we like to do with the show, because it's a great platform for doing it, is to help promote the efforts that some of our affiliate stations, like our great Seattle affiliate, KVI, is doing a major league toy drive. And to talk about that, I've invited Jenny Rudzand on, who's a social service coordinator for the Salvation Army. Ms. Rudzand, welcome to the program thank you can i call you jenny yes
8: please
0: Would, would you mind i've always liked the salvation army because of its faith basis and and because you raise your money for the most part privately would you mind telling my audience what a social service coordinator does for salvation army
8: So we have a service center here in Marysville, and I oversee it. We do meals uh, six days a week. We feed. It's open to everybody in the community. We have a Christmas program, adopted families. We do backpacks for kids that are low income um, for back to school. We do all kinds of case management, helping people get back on their feet from homelessness to getting into treatment, all kinds of different things like that.
0: Sounds like a worthy cause. And by the way, folks, if you want to participate, you can go to one of the participating Fred Meyer locations for KVI's Toy Drive. That's our Seattle affiliate at 570 AM. Uh, the great talk radio 570 or go online to kvi.com that's just k king victor idaho.com uh, jenny tell me what what you'd like to do in, in helping to promote this toy drive and how it's going to mean something to the the clients you work with
8: well we're seeing obviously the cost of living is going up people that we've never seen before coming in we already have 800 children signed up just in marysville um we have all kinds of stories dads Has cancer with five kids and he has no way to provide christmas so we're there to help we help with dinner um feeding we put on a christmas eve we put a christmas day dinner on Um, this will help children have a christmas so they don't have to worry parents don't have to worry on how they're going to make that happen
0: it's got to be pretty tough when you're already facing tough circumstances and it may involve job loss or as you said it may involve somebody who's very very sick uh, and, and I know Salvation Army helps out uh, people with addiction problems as well. Can you talk about that part of the mission as well, please?
8: Yes, we work um, closely with the embedded social worker through the police department, and we work with families and homeless clients that come in, and they, we give them hope, show them there's a different way and that they can get help and help them get into treatment and detox and then follow through with them to get them back on their feet and help them be self-sustaining.
0: I'm talking to Jenny Rudzand, who's a social service coordinator with the Salvation Army. She's part of our affiliate KVI in Seattle. as Talk Radio 570 KVI. You can drop off a toy at the participating Fred Meyer locations or call the phone bank at KVI between 6 in the morning and 7 o'clock tonight. So obviously you've got some hours to get that done. Or you can go to KVI.com and contribute as well. And one thing about the treatment that I, I think I recall is that Salvation Army You're not just a 30-day program in and supposedly fixing an addiction. You view it as a more long-term problem than that.
8: Absolutely. We want to get people on their feet um, and not just a revolving door. We want to make sure that they can survive afterwards and they have the tools and the skills to do that.
0: And do you see a good success rate?
8: We do. It's amazing, yeah.
0: Would you mind talking about that and some of the people you've succeeded with where they come in addicted to either drugs or alcohol and end up leaving the program six months or a year later and and they're on the, you know, at least on the path to some kind of normal life?
8: Absolutely. I have a gentleman who actually um, was laying on the floor in my office and I told him, you're going to end up dying if you don't change your ways. And he did end up dying and they brought him back. And that's what it took, and we just kept at him and kept being there for him. He now has a job. He's a lead. He's doing amazing, Getting buying his own house. I mean, we see these stories come through, and I think what it's about is giving people hope and knowing that there's somebody to walk beside them and stay with them and help them through it, not just leave them there after they finish treatment. They have somebody that can explain and help them through through the and, whole journey.
0: Jenny, did your faith bring you to, to work for the Salvation Army? Because I know from talking to other people at SA that it isn't always, uh, it's not, the, finan- it's not the, the paycheck that brings you to Salvation Army in most cases.
8: Absolutely, yes. I, this is where I was called to be, and this is my calling for sure. All
0: right. Well, uh, we want people to help out it's kvi which is our seattle affiliate we've got 26 great radio affiliates around the pacific northwest and talk radio 570 is one of them Uh, they'll have a phone bank operating till seven o'clock tonight Uh, you can also go online to kvi.com and make a contribution there or you can drop off a toy at one of the participating fred meyer locations lots of ways to make it happen and of course you can you know drop off the toys that's not limited to seven o'clock tonight anything else you'd like to say to encourage people jenny because we want to see this work out very well as it always does every year
8: just a huge thank you to our community we couldn't do it without you and the outpouring of toys that come in it just it just really warms my heart and I get to see these kids and see the joy on their faces and the families and the tears of joy and that's what makes my job worth it all so thank you to the community for supporting us
0: Jenny thank you very much and have a very Merry Christmas
8: thank you you too
0: all right, that's Jenny Rudzan, who works as a social service coordinator, it works with people trying to get them the help that they need, and especially at this holiday season. Drop off your toys at participating Fred Meyer locations for KVI's Toy Drive. You can also call their phone bank till 7 o'clock tonight, and you can donate online at KBI.com. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. The with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners. About 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers?
1: Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated. But the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. View the videos and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
3: Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday! Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. The government is the problem. No topic is off limits. Your line, dog face, show. call eight six six a Lars. That's eight six six a Lars. Crank speakers, it's Friday. Happy Friday! This is this it is First Amendment Friday
0: with
4: Lars Larson. Listening to the best of the Lars Larson Show.
0: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you and welcome to the Radio Northwest Network serving the Pacific Northwest states, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho with honestly provocative talk on a daily basis. Glad to be with you and always glad to take your phone calls and your emails. Our Twitter poll question today, should Northwest museums fire their white volunteers so they can hire people of color? I'd say no to that crazy idea. You can vote any way you like. It's brought to you by ultimate truck services and you can find it at lars larson show and at lars now on the phone with me right now is our good friend jonathan cho who is a journalist with the discovery institute jonathan i'm told you you spent most of the weekend following uh anti-israel pro hamas demonstrations going on in the northwest welcome back and tell us what you saw
9: Yeah, Lars, that uh, pretty much sums it up. It was a pretty busy weekend. Again, two weekends in a row now here in the uh, Pacific Northwest, Seattle area. Uh, On Saturday, you had a massive pro-Palestine protest in downtown Seattle. Um, And then on Sunday, uh, right outside of Seattle in Bellevue, uh, another one. And these are massive crowds, uh, more than a 1,000 people each, and they're becoming louder, uh, more militant, and the signs – are also becoming more provocative, uh, some with references to Hitler, some justifying the terrorist attacks, uh, some in support of Hamas. So uh, it's really changing right now, interesting dynamics out here.
0: Well, and it's interesting because, Jonathan, I I was just looking at a poll, a brand-new poll. It's the Harvard-Harris poll, so it's done in conjunction with Harvard University. Listen to this, because it blew me away. 51% of 18- to 24-year-olds in America, a majority, believe that Hamas slaughter of 1,400 Jewish civilians was justified.
9: Yeah. I mean, that that's what's stunning. There's a generational divide, clearly. And I'm sure the other side of that poll, I've seen some other ones as well, one out of CNN saying, if, if you're 65 and older <laughs> in the U.S., you're, you know, 80, 90-plus percent in support of Israel uh, in this. So it's really... Uh, playing out very in very interesting ways right now from a generational standpoint.
0: I guess what I'm thinking about is this isn't just instinctual support of one side and opposition of the other. I mean, my reaction to it was you go in and you slaughter innocent civilians and children and women and older people and babies and even toddlers and you take people hostage, no matter which side you're on, that's wrong. And it just happens to be that the terrorists tend to work on behalf of Hamas. And uh, and so I do want to separate that out from, oh, well, I'm on the side of the Palestinians. Really, when you find out that they're taking toddlers hostage and they've taken old people, two people uh, got released today, but we're told there are more than 200 hostages right now. And I, I don't understand how anybody, whether they supported the Palestinian cause or not, how could anybody support that kind of thing?
9: Well, the counter to that usually now these days is, well, of course, we're against that type of brutality. um, But at the same time, the Jews have been doing that to the Palestinians now for decades. So it's almost this justification, right, of what's going on here right now. And I want to point out very clearly a dynamic that's not being picked up by the mainstream press that I've seen now uh, two weekends in a row at least in the Seattle uh, demonstrations, you have far-left activists, the Democratic Socialists, uh, as well as, you know, Communists, basically marching side by side, taking up the pro-Palestinian cause. And we've seen this movie before, Lars. This is exactly what happened with the BLM movement back at the height of the 2020 riots.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm worried about, because Jay Cho... I'm talking to Jonathan Cho, who's a journalist with the Discovery Institute. Uh, the problem is, if you say if your cause is just, if you have can can cite enough grievances, then it doesn't matter what you do. Killing babies, that's okay. Killing old people, that's okay. That kind of moral thinking, where you say if your cause is honest and if your cause is uh, is so shows sufficient grievances, anything you do is is fair game. Because that's what it sounds like it is. And, and that's some of what I think we saw on a much smaller scale in the Antifa BLM riots a few years ago, where they said, well, we've been oppressed and we've been colonized and, and we're, we're continuing to be under the thumb uh, of this group. So therefore we can burn your cities. We can loot your stores. We can murder people and it's okay.
9: Yeah. We're not seeing that quite yet, but it's really interesting you bring that up. Cause again, it's only been what three, going on four years since the height of the 2020 BLM riots. And it all started out back in the day with parents, grandparents, children marching in that, in those BLM protests. Fast forward to today, we're seeing the same thing right now. But I think depending on how this Israel-Hamas war goes, it might start becoming more militant, more aggressive, more violent. There could be destruction in the streets. So in all of these protest situations here, You have dozens of police officers closely watching because, again, at least here in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest, this isn't our first rodeo.
0: Well, and what happens then when the police do, if they're doing it this time the way they did during the Antifa BLM riots, where you said, well, we have a mostly peaceful protest, except it turns into a riot. And you say that's only a few of them. Most of them were just there holding placards and, you know, shouting uh, slogans and things like that. You say, yeah, but the few dozen who are doing real damage were sending people to the hospital. And at least three dozen cases, they sent people to the morgue. Is that okay? And they say, oh, no, we're just in favor of the mass protest, but not the violent part. I don't see how you separate the two.
9: Yeah, I think this time around, and that's the sense I'm getting, I talked to several law enforcement uh, sources over the weekend as well, and they said they are very aware they're treating these protests like they treated Uh, the BLM riots towards the tail end when they decided, the police officers, that is, not to put up with this uh, anymore. And and they started going in and actually making arrests. So, you know, I truly believe uh, this time around, uh, if it maintains, as it's been the past couple weekends in a row, we're not going to see any violence or destruction. But at any moment, these massive crowds uh, can devolve and that's the concern right now
0: well and the other concern and you said it a moment ago their argument is well Israel's been doing this to us for a long time actually they haven't Israel supplies the electricity the water the building materials and all these other things to Gaza and all they say is don't attack us and the Gazans say no we're gonna actually take some of that stuff you send us and use it to attack you and uh, I would think any reasonable person would say You're telling me the Gazans are the oppressed people, the ones who keep launching terrorist attacks into Israel while being supplied with most of the necessities of life by Israel and the Jewish people?
9: Yeah, and and that's the saddest part, right? It's the civilians, the Palestinians who are under the Hamas rule. Um, You're seeing right now the aid going into Gaza. And, and you know, one of my colleagues here, Ari Hoffman, uh, also pointed out that a lot of these supplies Uh, have, you know, from Japan and they're ending up right in the hands of Hamas, not into the hands of civilians. Uh, so that's another dynamic there as well. Uh, Again, the issue here is Hamas, not the Palestinian civilians.
0: And it wouldn't be the first time that things like food and water and electricity under the control of somebody else like, say, a Somali warlord are used to keep a civilian population where you want them. That's the journalist Jonathan Cho from the Discovery Institute. Jonathan, thanks very much. Back in a moment, and you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network and the Lars Larson Show. You're listening to the best of the
4: Lars Larson Show.
0: me on the phone today is david moore with equity advantage david for more than 15 years i've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges but how do you explain it to customers
1: well lars 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point they allow people to exchange out of one property into another keeping their equity intact for example let's say you know an apartment building and you'd like a larger one you can sell the property pay the tax or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax is it complicated It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 Exchanges? Then go to 1031Exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours visit 1031exchange.com.
4: Even from the back of his truck, Buddy Brown is preaching truth. Because we're from the government
10: and we're here to help. You lie to your face, act like you don't have a
4: clue. We're living in D.C., we're called the Ministry of Truth. This is the Lars Larson Show. You're listening to the best of the Lars Larson Show.
0: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show and welcome to my favorite day of the week. It's First Amendment Friday and I'm glad to be with you. If If you you want to sound off on whatever the subject happens, to be anyway, on first amendment Sunday fridays we night. open up the phone lines and let me start with this one there have been attacks on the right on conservatives like you and me now some of you probably aren't conservatives i know that because i get some naysayer calls almost every single day and i get naysayer emails practically every hour of every day so i know that some of you disagree with me but understand that the right is very much under fire from just about everybody I mean, the right is under fire from Joe Biden, from Barack Obama, from Hillary Clinton, from the squad, all these people who disparage us as a basket of deplorables. Or in the case of Joe Biden, he talks about these MAGA Americans, these people who want to make America great again. And you always want to say, Joe, are you that confused? Uh, Don't you want America to be great again? And do you think you're making America great by doing the things you've been doing? getting us into wars, giving away weapons to terrorists in Afghanistan, giving away billions of dollars to terrorist-sponsoring folks like the mad mullahs of Tehran, all of that. But the latest attack is very direct, and it's very, very personal. It is an attack on elections themselves from a group that claims to be Antifa, or at least has all the hallmarks of Antifa, You remember Antifa. I mean, you can't forget that three years ago, they spent an entire summer burning down big chunks of about 20 major American cities. So what is this latest attack? I'll give you the details in a moment if you haven't heard about it already. But first, on a First Amendment Friday, glad to have you with me. If you want to join the best conversation and talk journalism, it's always right here at Lars Larson Show. And you can call 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, one of the naysayers I mentioned, you'll go right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. You can vote in our Twitter poll. I was about to tell you about that. At Lars Larson Show on Twitter, should America's big cities drop their sanctuary status to get bailout money from Congress? Now, that one begs a little bit of explanation. You understand that uh, the big American cities have all decided that they want to welcome illegal aliens. At least that's what they were saying a year ago about the time that Joe Biden's invasion of America, by now counting 9 million illegal aliens in less than three years. And you think, don't these people realize what they're inviting? They're inviting 9 million people And maybe some of the folks in the sanctuary cities, you know, New York and Seattle, you've got Portland and Philadelphia, you've got Chicago and San Francisco, and they all love to brag about how we're a sanctuary city, why we extend love for anybody. They've got those goofy signs in their front yard saying, all are welcome here. Yeah, all are welcome here until about six weeks ago. When some of the biggest cities, including New York City, Eric Adams, the mayor of the city, a Democrat, a Joe Biden supporter, stands up and says, look, you're sending us all these illegal aliens. We don't know where to stack them up. And we're going to spend billions of dollars trying to take care of them. So what are those big cities doing? They say they want one point four billion dollars that Joe Biden has asked the Congress. Hey, could you give these big cities all this money to take care of all these illegal aliens? that the Biden administration invited to invade the United States of America. And I'll tell you what, there's no automatic yes coming from the House of Representatives. The new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, said yesterday, and I think this is a brilliant idea, it may actually still get funded, but he says, do you want to have a bailout for all the illegal aliens who've shown up? Then you need to drop your sanctuary city status. And what does that mean? It means that right now, any city, the ones I named or any other that have declared themselves a sanctuary are saying when there's an illegal alien here and they get stopped by the cops, we're not going to turn them over to ICE. We're not going to try to get them deported because we are a sanctuary and all are welcome here or all were welcome here until you decided we can't deal with hundreds of thousands or millions of illegal aliens. It's actually stripping those cities of every extra dime they've got. You've got cities like New York that say we don't have enough money for the police in our own city or for the fire department or any of the other necessities because we're spending all the extra cash on these illegal aliens. So Congress, you guys, uh you got some extra cash, don't you, or a good print, more of it. We'd like you to bail us out. So the question i framed is this. Should America's big cities drop their sanctuary status to get bailout money from Congress and when they do start turning over every single illegal alien they identify to ice now is there any guarantee that joe biden's immigrations and customs enforcement agency known as ice is going to actually take those illegals and deport them no there's not much of a guarantee but it's better than nothing in any case let me get back to the election threat because here's what they've been getting letters that have been sent to elections officials in oregon washington and georgia that all say stop giving power to the right that they don't have. We are in charge now and there is no more need for them. Stop the elections now. I mean, it couldn't get more plain spoken than that. And yet there's kind of a contradiction in it. Stop giving power to the right, meaning we don't like these elections because you're electing too many conservatives. Well, that's rejecting the very idea of a constitutional republic with elements of democracy, including elections. So what happened with these letters? Suspicious letters showing up in elections offices targeting multiple states around the country, including Oregon, Washington, and Georgia. And inside the letters, traces of fentanyl. Now, what we're talking about there is very much a threat to the life and safety of anybody who opens those envelopes, handles them, gets the powder on them. They actually evacuated elections offices in Washington State, in King, Skagit, Spokane, and Pierce counties because they got envelopes full of powder. And the question is, what does this mean? Who's it actually coming from? Was it camouflaged as an Antifa message? I'm going to tell you why I don't think it was. I think this sounds and smells just like Antifa, because Antifa rejects the idea of representative government. Antifa and BLM, who have been their allies all the way through, are at their very heart Marxist organizations, organizations that want to give government all the power and take power away from citizens. So would it fit right in their M.O. to say, we want you to stop the elections and we're willing to threaten people's lives and their safety? The Georgia Secretary of State has called this, appropriately, an act of terrorism. And they say employees have been given access to a detox drug, likely Narcan, that would counteract the effects. I mean, I don't know how many of you haven't seen the video of police officers who inadvertently come into contact with fentanyl powder, and they can collapse right right on the spot. And I'll point out that this summer in Athens, Greece, An anarchist flyer was calling for people to burn the ballot boxes. And in 2019, Greek anarchists actually burned ballot boxes. And now we've got the same kind of action going on in America. You could say maybe it's just a camouflaged MAGA attack. I don't buy that. I think this is Antifa. It stinks of Antifa. It looks like Antifa. I think it is Antifa. In any case, it's First Amendment Friday. Your calls are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866 439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Coming up on the Radio Northwest Network, I want to call out the lies of a couple of specific government agencies right here in the Northwest. That's next and your phone calls and emails.
4: You're listening to the best of The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Truth Daily, and so does Denzel. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it,
0: you're misinformed. And tell the truth, not just to be first, but to tell the truth. Oh, and this one. Anything you practice, you'll get good at, including BS.
4: More truth now. This is The Lars Larson Show. Yes, you're yes, listening yes. to the best of The Lars Larson Show.
0: Welcome back to The Lars Larson Show. I'll get back to your phone calls and emails shortly at 866-HEY-LARS. Email talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, you can vote in our Twitter poll, at Lars Larson Show, and on my website as well. Like any homeowner who's been a homeowner for a long time, I've got uh, tools, I've got ladders, things like that. And in some ways, I get kind of a... uh, a kick out of the fact that you read the warning labels. I mean, I think the average ladder you buy these days has about 50 different stickers on it because they have to say, don't stand on the the top step. And uh, a lot of them just come off as stupid. Clearly, the lawyers think somebody out there might do something stupid with that product. So they have to put a label on it saying, we told them not to do it. But what happens, and should a company be held liable, when parents look at the warning label on a product that they bought, and then use the product, in this case, involving an infant child, and then something bad happens, do you hold the company liable when the parents ignore the warning labels? Oliver Dunford joins me now, who's an attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Oliver, welcome back to the program, and can we describe the case in point that you're talking about in this example?
7: Yeah, thanks Lars for having me again. Um, yeah, we represent a company called Leechco. Uh, it's a small family business in Ada, Oklahoma. They make uh, a number of products, including uh, an infant lounger, uh, in which, uh, parents can use to place their baby while they're, um, folding laundry or, or something like that. The product comes with express warnings that says, uh, do not use for sleep. And an and adult must always be supervising, uh, and yet, uh, in this case, as, as you said, um, there, were, there were two incidents, but it had nothing to do with the product. It was because people ignored those instructions. Uh, in one case, a daycare center uh, violated state law, ignored the warnings, and left the baby uh, unattended for over an hour and a half, and the baby uh, unfortunately died. In another case, a parent was sharing a bed with a baby, which is also warned against, uh, and in the middle of the night rolled over and, and suffocated the baby. Uh, and so based on those two incidents alone, uh, the Consumer Product Safety Commission says that this product is defective, uh, even though they've sold 180,000 of these things, uh, and, and the defect defect under the commission's own definitions is something that creates a substantial risk of injury. Uh, And so uh, under any scenario, it's almost impossible to hold the the company uh, liable here.
0: So so this isn't just the courts and lawyers, because I, I can understand. Uh, uh, I haven't, I mean, I've lost adults in my family. Uh, we haven't had the loss of a child, but I can't imagine the pain that comes with it. But if you're the person responsible, either the daycare center or in the case of the parent who rolls over on a child, which I've heard of before, we were very careful with my granddaughter when she was a little baby to make sure that everybody made sure you, you set them up in a physical situation where you can't possibly roll over and, and smother a baby. I know that parent wants to find somebody else made this happen, and they want to blame somebody else. But should the government, in the form of the Consumer Product Safety Commission, be piling on and saying, you're right, it's not the parent's fault for rolling over on the baby. It's these folks in in Ada, Oklahoma, that, that made this defective device. Should the government be weighing in that way at all?
7: Well, we don't think so, and and there's not only is there a problem with the theory that they're um, claiming, but there's also a problem with the procedure. Um, traditionally, to hold someone liable for a, a defect in a product means that it had to be designed wrong or made wrong or the warnings were insufficient, but none of that applies here. And so the, the government has this theory that it is reasonably foreseeable, that parents or other people will ignore the warnings and therefore the company should be liable and that's a that's a a novel theory which would expand liability uh dramatically the other problem is that the commission here is not going to court instead it filed an administrative action before basically before itself so the commission is made up of five commissioners they voted to approve the administrative action then the commission staff has to prove its case to a commission-appointed administrative law judge. And then if there's an appeal, it goes right back to the commissioners.
0: So there's it, it, it's a done deal at this point because the commission will undoubtedly support its own ruling in this case. And, and I guess, let me go back to something else. I know that sometimes the law isn't always logical, but isn't there a logical contradiction if an agency says this was reasonably foreseeable, by a parent, by a lay person, But we, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, did not foresee this outcome because they could have said at the beginning, we're not going to give approval for this because we could foresee the, you know, the danger. I mean, if you have a a plastic bag and all plastic bags have little warnings on them saying, you know, don't put this over the, over anybody's head, let alone a child's head, because you could reasonably foresee that putting a plastic bag over somebody's head might suffocate them. The Consumer Product Safety Commission didn't foresee this outcome, but then they're going to fault the manufacturer for not foreseeing what the Consumer Product Safety Commission itself didn't foresee? Well, and, and the, the
7: bigger problem, I think, is that is that what wouldn't this apply to? There, there, everything uh, can pose some danger if used improperly. Uh, and, and again, take this, this pillow, this lounging pillow. They've sold 180,000 of them. And if you assume that each um, pillow was used only once, which is unreasonable, because Parents undoubtedly use them multiple times. But if they were used only once and there were two injuries here, that amounts to an injury rate of one one-thousandth of a percent. And so if that is enough to create a substantial risk of injury, uh, then I'm not sure what the Consumer Product Safety Commission couldn't uh, try to rec- recall.
0: Well, and that 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 gets to the next question I wanted to ask you. This doesn't just affect this company called uh, Leechco, which is in Ada, Oklahoma. It actually affects everybody who makes any kind of infant product, and I assume it could go beyond that because I could foresee, yeah. you know, that that my the screwdriver in my toolbox could be used to assault somebody or stab somebody, or I could stab myself in the eye with it, which is something I'm always aware of when I'm using screwdrivers and you know punches and things like that, which is why I wear safety glasses. But are you going to make all those companies say anytime something bad happens because somebody could imagine it happening that 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 the company is is to blame for this? <laughs> well and
7: the answer is who knows the the commission has a regulation it says that there are many factors it considers and it uh, it doesn't mention a screwdriver but it does mention a knife and it says that a knife has a sharp blade but it needs to be sharp in order to work properly and so in that instance the benefit outweighs the potential harm but then it so it lists all these things and, and among the considerations are whether the the product that issue is necessary and whether it's useful and and of course the question is well necessary and useful to whom uh, and, and, and apparently the answer is that the commissioners, in their wisdom, and then it also says they can consider any other relevant factor, which means any other factor that they deem relevant. And so it's a, it's a completely arbitrary process on what they consider necessary and useful, uh, and whether in their estimation the benefits of a product outweigh the harm.
0: Okay, I'm talking to Oliver Dunford. He's an attorney with Pacific Legal, and I admire Pacific Legal. But tell me this. So if the Consumer Product Safety Commission can issue this ruling, and then if anybody appeals that it comes right back to CPSC, is there any appeal beyond that that where you can go to some other body and say, by the way, tell the Consumer Product Safety Commission they're being ridiculous?
7: Yes, there is. At the end of, the, at the end of that process, uh, you are allowed to appeal to a real court but in that case, the courts have to treat the factual record as found by the commission, and they often defer to the agency's legal rulings. So in effect, it's just a, as long as there wasn't a huge problem with what the commission did, as long as there's some evidence to support what, what it did, uh, we're going to approve it. And so by that time, uh, you really don't get, a, a judicial review—you get kind of a, a mostly a rubber stamp. Um, so we we sued in federal court uh, to stop the the commission's administrative proceeding, and one of our arguments is is that our client has a due process right uh, to a court, to a
0: trial before a judge and a jury. And if the commission has a case, it can prove it there. Yeah, absolutely right, Oliver. Thank you very much. That's Oliver Dunford from Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll be back in a moment. Eight six six. Hey, Lars. As we step with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers?
1: Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
4: Uh, you know, what uh, was up there? Anyway. From now on, every Biden speech or press conference must have C3PO present.
7: Remember that I am fluent in over six million forms of.
4: What are you telling them? May the force be with you, C3PO. <laughs>
0: I'm laughing too.
4: This is the Lars Larson show.
0: You're listening to the best of the Lars Larson show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson show. This segment of the show brought to you by Pro Tech Power, the home power generating folks. Make sure your loved ones are safe when the power goes out and it does from time to time. 541 ONA Gen. That's 541 ONA Gen. And today's Twitter poll. Should the government monitor social media? and then declare the information it considers lies or the truth. The state of Oregon has signed a contract with a private company from Great Britain. It will use artificial intelligence to monitor the media, both legacy and social media, and uh, determine what's true and what's not, and then combat that misinformation. Is that something the government should be doing? Telling people, this you can believe, that is a lie. I don't believe that's the government's function at all. Today's Twitter poll is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Let's go to John. Hey, John, welcome to the program. What's on your mind?
5: Well, um, I uh, disagree with you about uh, impeaching Biden. Uh, I was listening to you earlier today, but
6: uh, my main reason for that is the Republicans so, I mean, the Democrats so fell on their face when they tried to re- impeach Trump twice and Right now, there's such a division with the Democrats about whether Biden should even run. I would just question what would be the point of going through all of that?
0: I guess the point of it, John, it's important to punish people who have have committed wrongs against society. If somebody steals a car, if somebody rapes a person, if uh, somebody uh, murders, if somebody assaults somebody, if they did the crime, then we should at least try to get some kind of justice and that's justice for the rest of us justice to say if a president commits high crimes and misdemeanors and i believe joe biden has and i've defined the way i think that is he allowed his family to sell his name his influence and their access to the vice president of the united states who's now the president they sold that and they expected favors in return and I think Americans are still suffering because of those favors, because now having extorted that money from Ukraine, from Kazakhstan, from Moscow and even from Beijing, some of those players could out Joe Biden tomorrow. That means he's compromised. Uh, do you remember back in the day, the FBI worried a lot about its agents having gambling problems, sexual issues, dalliances uh, if they were gay or not? because they saw those as ways to influence how that agent would do his job. With a president, it's that on steroids. If you got a president who knows that communist China could out him right now, and they wouldn't even leave their fingerprints on it, then he may be more inclined to do things that benefit China more than they benefit Americans. Do you think that's a reasonable conclusion?
6: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think your key word is try, because, you know, we are in that window for an election right now, but... It just seems the Democrats are just falling all over themselves to come up with an answer as to whether he should run or not. Well,
0: But leave them to that problem. That's their problem. The problem for the American people is, did this president commit high crimes and misdemeanors? And by that, they don't mean literal misdemeanor crimes. They mean, did this president do things that were wrong? That means peddling influence, selling access to himself, selling favors that he would do for for example, John, you, you, you could take a, a crayon and a piece of construction paper and connect these dots. You've got a, a a corrupt oligarch running Burisma, the natural gas company. He hires for no reason anybody can understand Hunter Biden and pays him a million bucks a year to sit on a board of directors when that seat might be worth maybe a tenth of that. And you say, why would a corrupt oligarch who's got a lot of money pay a million bucks a year to the son of joe biden and the answer came by from joe biden's own lips there was a prosecutor who wanted who was preparing to investigate burisma Uh, uh, the guy uh, who was about to be investigated didn't want to be investigated And uh, Hunter Biden called on his dad. His dad went over and pressured the government of Ukraine to fire the prosecutor. And he threatened to withhold a billion dollars from the United States if they didn't fire the prosecutor. So guess what? They got rid of the prosecutor. Now, I guess to make it understandable, think about any city in America that has a major criminal organization. These days it would be the gangs. Back in the day, it would have been Al Capone. If Al Capone could buy the prosecutor... So that the prosecutor would not go out and investigate Al Capone or the Bloods and Crips or whatever gang you want to talk about. If you could buy off the authorities and get rid of that troublesome prosecutor, would that be worth some money? You're describing Portland and Multnomah County. Well, or I could describe Chicago or any city in America. The point <laughs> is, did that Ukrainian oligarch, this billionaire who owns Burisma, did he get what he paid for? He paid Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden kept some money aside for the big guy. The big guy got the prosecutor fired. The oligarch didn't get investigated. I mean, it's it's really, really simple. And when they've now documented that the Biden crime family got twenty four million dollars and people seem to be very focused on did any of that money actually land in Joe's pocket? That's not the important thing. The important thing is. Did Joe Biden, you know, did, did he sell access or allow his family to sell access to him? And when you wonder, why is Joe Biden telling America not to use the vast wealth of energy that we have available to us that we own and we control? Oil, natural gas, coal, all kinds of things, nuclear power. And you say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to buy solar cells and windmills from the Chinese communist country, from the government. Why in the world is he doing that? And you say, maybe because he's been bought lock, stock and barrel by communist China and Joe Biden is owned by his buddies in Beijing. John, that's the end of it. And that's why he needs to be impeached, even if he's never convicted. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers?
1: Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you're in an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at equity advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 Exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
3: Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday! Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. The government is the problem. No topic is off limits. Your line, dog face, pony show. Call eight six six hey Lars. That's eight six six hey Lars. Thank it's Friday. Happy Friday! This is this it is First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. You're listening to the best
4: of the Lars Larson Show.
0: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. Let me ask you this question, and I think it's a reasonable one, although for those of you who voted for slow Joe Biden, you might take offense at the way I put this, but why is Biden hiding the body count at the border? And if you say, what body count? You've been watching too much CNN and probably Fox as well because they've sold out as well. There's a body count at the border. And you say, oh, no, no, aren't all the people illegally coming into America at Joe's invitation? Aren't they just showing up with fresh scrubbed faces and clean clothes and all that? No, they're not. I mean, the news media shows you lots and lots of pictures, happy little family pictures of illegal alien mommies and daddies and children. Although there's a dirty little secret there, some of those kids aren't their kids. They're merely being trafficked across the border for all kinds of disgusting things, too painful to even talk about on the radio. Things that are criminal, things that are disgusting, involving trafficking, involving pornography, involving prostitution. Yeah, that kind of ugly. But the other part of ugly is this. While the news media is showing all the happy family pictures, when an awful lot of the people coming across that border are fighting age young males between 16 and, say, 30, uh, they're not just the happy little family pictures. That's what the major networks want you to see. The ones you don't see are the folks who are making their way through the desert. And some of them, like it or not, end up dead. And in recent years, there have been literally hundreds of illegal aliens whose bodies have been found, hundreds of bodies found in the desert. People who died one of the most painful, racking deaths you could ever imagine, dying of thirst, dying of starvation, dying of exposure. Because remember, if you're crossing a desert, Hot as daylights during the day, cold, well, cold as Nancy Pelosi's heart at late at night. That's the way deserts operate. Consider this. In one small Texas county, in the two-plus years since Joe Biden opened up our border wide, they have found between 1,000 and 2,000 bodies in the desert. And you say, well, do they find all of them? That's another one of the ugly truths about all this. They don't find all of them. And if you wonder, well, what happens to somebody's body if they just die of exposure or thirst or hunger out in the desert? Well, their body lies there for a while, and then the local wildlife gets to work on it, the coyotes and the rats and the mice and the other little teeny opportunistic animals, and they chew the thing to pieces. They'll even chew the bones down to nothing. If you don't believe me, walk out in some of the forests and take a look at what happens to deer antlers or elk antlers Consider that we are seeing an untold number of people who die. And yet Customs and Border Protection shows that in fiscal year 2020, uh, there were 247 illegal aliens officially counting uh, counted as having died. Some reports say the body count for fiscal year 2022 is close to 800. So it hasn't quite quadrupled. It has more than tripled in that number. And, of course, the busiest months uh, for the the illegal alien crossing are in the summertime, and people die of a combination of dehydration and hyperthermia, not hypo, that's cold, hyperthermia getting too hot. The smugglers, the coyotes, these are the people working on behalf of the Mexican cartels who are literally making, no exaggeration, billions of dollars from this trade. If they have an illegal alien in a group of illegals, and they suddenly come up lame, or they fall down because they don't have enough water? Do you think these coyotes say, oh, out of an abundance of sympathy, we're going to stay behind and care for this person? No, they keep on going. They got money to make. And Joe Biden doesn't really seem to care that some of these people are dying. I mean, his own government admitted under oath to the U.S. Congress that 85,000 kids have come into America been separated from the parents or at least the adults they were traveling with, whether they were really parents or just trafficking the kids. And those 85,000, the Biden administration representatives before the Congress had to admit under oath, we don't know where they are. They've been turned over to somebody, somebody who claimed that they would care for the child, Maybe they really were going to do that. Maybe, instead, what they were going to do is traffic them for prostitution, for pornography, for abuse, or whatever. But Joe Biden, the same Joe Biden who screamed and yelled on the debate stage in 2019 and 2020 about how Donald Trump was putting kids in cages, and then Donald Trump had to remind Joe Biden that those cages were actually created by the Obama-Biden administration, And the number of them during Trump was brought down dramatically because Donald Trump managed to safeguard the border well enough to keep most of the illegal aliens out and to send the message, don't come here, you're not going to get across the border. Was there still illegal uh, alien entry to the United States during Trump? Yes. Nobody is going to be able to bring it to flat zero. But Donald Trump brought about some of the lowest illegal entry numbers in American history, modern American history. Now. So what does that mean now? It means that Joe Biden's Customs and Border Protection, uh, or Border Patrol, are simply hiding the numbers. And, uh, for instance, uh, there are some great uh, quotes that come in from some of the officials on the border. There's a sheriff named Urbino, or he's known as Benny Martinez. And what did he find? In 2021, in one county in Texas, 119 bodies found on ranch lands. Uh, in 2020, there were only, the year before, there were only 34 bodies found. So the number of bodies very nearly quadruple. And Martinez, by the way, Sheriff Martinez, he is a Democrat, registered as a Democrat. And what his estimate is, is that every time they find a body, another five to ten bodies are never found, are never recovered. Now, that's in a county uh, of just 7,000 people. By the end of Biden's four years, Brooks County will literally have more bodies than it does breathing residents. And because of Joe Biden's policy toward the border, he wants to let people in. And I've had so many emails from people saying, I don't understand this Title 42 stuff. Donald Trump used already existing federal law. He didn't have to have the Congress pass any laws because the Congress wasn't inclined to cooperate with Donald Trump either not the Republican Congress of Paul Ryan, not the Democrat Congress of Nancy Pelosi. But Donald Trump took care of this problem as best it could be. Joe Biden has decided to invite people in right and left. And then, for instance, Brooks County Sheriff's Deputy Don White volunteers his time outside of work time to find the dead and the injured. And he says most often he finds men who are between 19 and 40 years old They're from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, and he says only 30% of the time the bodies have any kind of identification because sometimes the coyotes, when they lose one of their group, or the group member can't continue, they strip them of anything that's valuable, and then they go on their happy way. It's a really ugly picture. The blood of all those people is on the hands of Joe Biden. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. You're listening to the best of The Lars Larson Show. Hey, it's Jamie Martin. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
1: Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn
2: more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at IRAAdvantage.com.
10: They want you weak, don't speak, don't question, don't think. Keep staring at your smartphone, get dumber every week. Oh, Jesus, what happened to
4: us? This is the Lars Larson Show. You're listening to the best of the Lars Larson Show.
11: Go to turn in my gear. They want to charge me 500 to to $1,000 for gear that I was ordered to leave in Afghanistan two years
0: ago. Now, can you imagine this? I just want to give you this as an example of just how screwed up, what a complete goat rope the average military is under Joe Biden. And much to the dismay, uh, I think, and to the disadvantage of those young men and women who've signed up to do voluntary service for their country. Imagine being this young guy who is in the military, is ready to muster out. Uh, but when Joe Biden decided to create that gigantic cluster there was the withdrawal from afghanistan he was called up to do that service and he did that service but as he's leaving afghanistan guess what happens he says hey uh... they told us as we're getting on the planes there is no extra room for any additional weight we're getting you out of here your gear stays here in kabul afghanistan take a listen to what happened
11: some lower enlisted dudes including myself We're like, no, this stuff is expensive, I'm not leaving this. I'm gonna get charged for this when it comes time to leave. Don't worry, we're gonna catch you on the back end. You know, we'll flipple it. No. It's time to get out of the army and they just wanna wanna charge you for, for that
0: unbelievable that this guy is looking at them the military telling him you left the gear behind in afghanistan under orders and now we'd like to see the gear where's the gear if you don't have it we may charge you five hundred to a thousand dollars for equipment that he was told to leave behind in afghanistan and why one of the biggest reasons that that happened is that joe biden had absolutely no idea what he was doing as commander-in-chief he told americans Kabul, Afghanistan, will not fall apart. The Taliban government, or sorry, the Afghanistan government will stay in control. The Taliban will not take over Afghanistan. We're going to make this an orderly withdrawal. And then we all saw a national television... You know, we were watching what was happening as they were lifting off with planes that had people hanging onto the outsides of the planes. And the planes themselves were filled with thousands of people who were never supposed to be allowed to leave Afghanistan. We had not vetted them. And what did we find out when those planes landed in friendly countries? that they brought out a bunch of people on the terrorist watch list. I mean, it was a gigantic disaster. Thirteen service members were killed by a terrorist bomber that our military knew about and told the snipers, no, you're not allowed to kill the terrorist. And as a result, he blew up and 13 service members were killed and many others suffered grievous injuries. All of that. And then, of course, this service member is smart enough. He knows what's going on. He's being told to pay back $1,000 at the same time that the Biden administration and the White House is helping to support the Taliban. Listen to that. Meanwhile, we can continue to give millions of dollars to the
11: Taliban. We can give billions of dollars to Ukraine. We can give billions of dollars to student debt relief. We can give a bunch of stupid stimulus checks. We can cut those to the American people. But we can't cover $500 to $1,000 for a dude that left gear in Afghanistan. For a dude that left gear in a place that you put me to begin with.
0: Yeah, unbelievable. In any case, to your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Let's go to Ron in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Ron, welcome to the program. What's on your mind?
10: Uh, a couple things. I uh, know earlier you were talking about the pilot situation, and, and of course he deserved to be relieved of duty. But uh, I, I, you know, how how many people in the government? How many people, uh, politicians and contractors? How many of those people have been uh, forced to resign or been fired? No. I would suggest that maybe we stop. I I suggest that maybe we stop getting rid of people until maybe the government starts getting rid of their uh, getting rid of their garbage.
0: Well, except for this, Ron, the White House is incredibly pro-terrorism. The White House under Barack Obama, who, by the way, had Joe Biden as his number two, but Barack Obama was pro-Muslim all day long. He was also anti-Israel. So what is it a big surprise that Joe Biden is also pro-Islam, pro-Iran, pro-terrorism, pro-Hamas? Uh, we're not going to be able to get rid of people in the federal government until Joe Biden uh, goes to the wayside, you know, ends up running for re-election and losing, which is one possi- uh, That's a remote possibility or be, is, re- is replaced by somebody else as the nominee. But when you've got a pro-terrorist president who only says the things he says about Israel, because if he doesn't, he knows for a fact that his entire party is going to have trouble. If he doesn't say something in support of Israel, but remember what he did when he visited Israel recently. He said, by the way, I'm here. He doesn't say much of anything about the Americans held hostage by Hamas terrorists. But he does tell the Palestinians, I'm going to get you $100 million. And that's right after he freed up $6 billion for the folks who financed all that terrorism, the mad mullahs of Tehran. So I'm not willing. And, and I guess, Ron, I, I would ask you this. Would And I've asked this to other callers. Would you be okay with flying in an airplane in which the pilot has spoken out in favor of terrorism and has called terrorist brave people? Uh,
10: I think I'm on that plane. It's called American Airlines, if you get my point.
0: I get it. I get it. You know, but, but all I'm saying is that, you know, when, when you say, gee, have we ever had a bad experience with jihadis being in the cockpit of airplanes? And I would say, yeah, we sure have. Do you want somebody who's pro-jihadi flying in the left front seat up front in an airplane?
10: Yeah, absolutely not. But here's one question for you, Lars. <clears> Maybe sure. you can uh, spread some light on this. You know who George Soros is? and He's got a uh, son named Robert. Yep. And you know who Adam Schiff is? And he has a daughter named Melissa or a sister named Melissa. Yeah. So, I just got word here that it looks like, uh, Miss Melissa Schiff is married to Mr. Robert Soros.
0: See, I don't, I don't you know what, hair. Ron? I'd have to check on that. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one little bit. But what's the significance of it? The significance of George Soros is that George Soros has funded some of the most anti American things in America. And sadly, we let the guy become a U.S. citizen. He wasn't originally, but he is now. So he's out there spending money to do everything he can to destroy this country. He's helping get DAs elected who won't prosecute criminals. I mean, there are a lot of things that he has supported that are decidedly in favor of tearing apart this country. And I think one of the reasons he does that is he sides with the likes of Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, who see that only if America is brought to her knees does the WEF have the chance to become the world government, the one world government that George Soros too many Democrats, and unfortunately, even a few Republicans, are in favor of one world government. So we know why he's doing it. Who his son's married to or not, tell me what the significance of it is.
10: Well, it's significant because, from what I understand, Mr. Soros has an international arrest warrant from Russia.
0: Yeah, so he may.
10: He may. That, uh, maybe we should be doing something about the crime internationally and locally
0: okay and i don't disagree with you about that let me get one quick call jesse you're gonna have to be quick what do you say about this service member who was told leave your gear behind in afghanistan and now he has to pay for it you're a naysayer you think he should
10: well i i no no i do not think that they should have to pay for that what i'm getting at here is that i'm not a biden supporter i can't stand the guy get to it quick it's been that it's been that way since 1984.
0: That you would be charged for equipment that, you're, that your higher-ups told you to leave behind? If that's true, that's something that's got to change, but that would take a competent commander-in-chief who knows what day it is. You got the Lars Larson Show. You're
4: listening to the best of the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Here at the Lars Larson Show, we can say with complete confidence that we have no classified documents in our possession. Go ahead. search us. This is the Lars Larson Show. You're listening to the
0: best of the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Glad to get to your calls, which I'll get to shortly, but there's a very important subject that I want to discuss, and I've called in some legal help as well. The best kind of legal help, the one where I don't think I'm incurring uh, billable hours with Debbie Silberman, but We'll see. Uh, Imagine your reaction is the way I look at it. If nude pictures of your daughter or granddaughter began circulating at the school she attends, and I'm talking here about public school students, K through 12, and then you find out they're not real, but does it matter that much to the victim of this kind of thing? Uh, That's the report this week, that there were uh, pictures circulating in a Washington state public school with kids who are being depicted as nude, uh, even though it was a very deep fake, fake, using AI. I thought we'd get Ms. Silberman on, who is an attorney. She works with a firm called Strip Matter, Kessler, Kohler, and more. Ms. Silberman, welcome to the program.
12: Thank you, Lars. Thanks for having me today.
0: So here's the thing that I found a little bit stunning, and that is, Somebody took, it's not stunning that kids would use software to create, you know, things that are provocative and, and in this case, I thought, illegal to say, let's take a picture of a classmate, uh, a girl in this case, or girls, and we will make it appear as though that girl is, has this nude body in the photograph. It's not really her, it was created artificially, but does that matter and is that legal? It's a great question.
12: So I'd like to start by distinguishing distinguishing between the creation of the image and then the distribution or publishing of that image. Let's address the first point: the creation sure. of these images. What's really scary out there is when you have a private company such as uh, OpenAI that's developed ChatGPT. The government can regulate private companies with and and create safeguards with. A, regard to creating these deep fake images of new children, new teenagers. The problem that we're facing, and it's a problem that I don't know how we're going to solve, is when you have open-source software. So you have teenagers taking the software in their own homes, being able to write that software, manipulate the software, to create these nude photos of, in this case, in the case you're talking about teenagers, but what's really scary is in the hands of pedophiles who may be using and creating these photos. That is all legal. The creation of these is legal. The question is, will the government be able to regulate and uh, prosecute individuals who are distributing these kinds of images?
0: Well, let me ask you something. I always tell my audience I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I've hung around <laughs> lawyers long enough that I've, you know, I can sometimes you know, make a passing guess at what, what the right answer is. But if it's legal to create the image, can can they make it illegal to distribute a legally created image
12: that's exactly a question that legal scholars uh states and both the federal government have to decide have to create legislation on you know as it is we do have laws thankfully in place that prevent the distribution of child pornography which includes teenage girls um the To date, I have not seen nor read, nor do I believe there has been any kind of prosecution, though, for the distribution of deep fake images. And someone is going to have to be the first one to take up this issue uh, and address the several questions. One, is the distribution of this fake image able to be prosecuted just like a real image? And then another great problem the prosecution is going to have is having to a find the code that was used to create these images and how do you successfully prosecute a person based on the code
0: okay but but let me ask you this Ms. silberman because we've talked about child porn on this show for a long long time it's outrageous and the reason it's one of the few things where the government says just creating that you know which you can paint a painting you can do all these other things but if you create this image the creation of the image involves the victimization of a child so therefore just creating it is illegal possessing it is illegal distributing is illegal now i haven't gone past my legal knowledge on that one have i all of those things are You're illegal doing because well. it it harms the child to merely create the image and probably promulgates the harm when you distribute it and and that image is going to live on the internet forever can it be legal for somebody to create a false image that appears to be child pornography with a real person's face on it doesn't that do the same things to that real child who's being depicted as nude even though part of the image is artificial
12: yes Lars. the damage to a child to a community to a person's reputation is, is traumatizing it's devastating it should absolutely not be lawful to create an image that appears to be that high, whether it's just that face or the back of a person that appears to be that person, it absolutely uh, is very similar, just as you described. What I would just say is has not been uh, addressed in a court yet. I look forward yeah, to it, the day and I certainly yeah. hope, I certainly hope that the legislation will attack the individuals who are making these incredibly harmful and incredibly devastating images.
0: But maybe we need a prosecutor to take a run at it, and when he or she gets shot down in court saying, no, the law doesn't say that's illegal, that would give the impetus to the legislature to say, well, then we're darn well going to write a rule about that. But I I thought, Ms. Silberman, that Hollywood had had to confront this some time ago when they make movies, and the only one that really comes to mind that's a great example is Lolita. You know, when they made a modern version of that movie, and they said, we're going to take a real child. I think she was 13 or 14. We're going to use a body double, but we're going to depict her doing sexual things. Uh, there were uh, there were I, I thought there was law enforcement at the time said that's illegal, because even though it's not actually her doing the sexual things, you're making it appear that way. And when you do, you cross the line. I guess I was wrong about that. one, Or was I? I wouldn't say you're wrong. I'm
12: not familiar with that particular example, all I'm saying is it hasn't been addressed in court yet. I think there's a strong legal argument to make that it is the same thing, that merely because those images are of a different body, that intent to create that image, the creation of that image is exactly the same as if it were a real image or a real body part. And as for your suggestion that someone needs to take up this cause, you can sign me up for that. I'd be happy to take on a case like this.
0: But you could only do it civilly, but do you think we could get the new conservative city of Seattle attorney Ann Davison to say, let's take a run at it? And if we get shot down in the courts, no better example for the legislature than to say, hey, it turns out it's legal to make it appear that your daughter or granddaughter is depicted in a sexual manner, nude, and the damage that's going to happen to her today and probably as long as the Internet exists is going to go on. I'd love to see somebody like Ann Davison take a shot at it. And and then if she fails, the failure merely provides the impetus for the legislature to get busy and do something.
12: I'm with you on this. I certainly hope that someone goes for it. Again, we have this entire country. I haven't seen a single prosecutor have the guts to go ahead and take on a case like this. I'd love to see that being done, but I also don't want to foreclose the possibility of getting ahead of that and start drafting legislation to address this issue. Well,
0: let's do them both at the same time, but here's the thing I'm thinking about, the real damage. Some little girl out there who had her face pasted on this AI deepfake and is now distributed, you know that once something's on the Internet, you can never really erase it fully, which means the damage to that young lady goes on, and when, when people say, oh, yeah, there were some kids who did that, but they never got in trouble nobody ever bothered to prosecute them it's going to be an open invitation to just do more of it isn't it
12: i completely agree and the fact that it's not being regulated and the truth is is that our software and these deepfakes are getting better and better i mean just a few months ago it was much easier to detect the difference between a deepfake and a real image because development is growing so fast and You know, deep fakes are getting better and better. It's getting
0: harder to detect. No doubt, Ms. Silberman, thank you very much. That Debbie Silberman from the Seattle law firm of Matter, Kessler, Comer, and more. We'll be back in a moment. We'll get to your calls at eight six
4: six Hey Lars. You're listening to the best of the Lars Larson Show.
0: I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
1: Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn
2: more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to IRAadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.
1: Diagnosed with having a, a uh, anyway, they had to take the
0: top of my head off a couple times, <laughs> see if I had a brain.
13: With the thoughts you'd be thinking you could be a not if you only had a brain.
0: This
4: is The Lars Larson Show. You're listening to the best of the Lars Larson Show.
0: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I knew that we were going to get a lot of phone calls about the military veteran arrested falsely, his house searched, false accusation of domestic violence. There was no domestic violence. And then to come to find out that the dispatchers from nine one one are now using social media to find out your background, and if you're a veteran, they assume you're more dangerous and more likely to be a criminal. Alan is on the line from Seattle, uh, listening on KVI and the Radio Northwest Network. Alan, uh, that was that was the gist of your question, was it not?
7: Yes, and I guess you kind of answered that. Uh, being a veteran of uh, ten years, Naval Air Reserve and the Twenty Nine Guard Army Reserve. Thank you. Um, it's it's unsettling that they had the time to dig that out, but nobody had time to check with the neighbor.
0: Yeah, well, and the neighbor was the one who called it in, but he called it in based on secondhand info. He said, well, my, my son's girlfriend says she either heard or saw, we're not sure which, that a man is beating on his wife out in the woods. and And on that basis, they arrested this guy. Didn't just walk up to him and say, sir, we're going to have to put you in custody. We have to talk to your wife. We're told that you've been beating on her or beating on some female. And so therefore, uh, you know, they put it, put his face in the gravel. And I'm, I'm one of the bigger supporters of law enforcement, but only if they don't break the rules. Do you think police should assume that if somebody has done military service like you, that you're automatically more dangerous and more likely to be a criminal.
7: Well, obviously not, and it's interesting. They waited 15 minutes outside, um, like the
0: people, like the school kids in Florida. Yep, it could have been dead. Could have been dead. Absolutely right, Alan. Thanks for the call and thanks for listening on KBI. Let's go to uh, Carrie, who's calling in from Kent, Washington. Hey, Kerry, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind?
13: Uh, I did 20 years in the military, and um, I thought it was interesting when you were talking about pregnancy and military service. I just wanted to correct you on one thing: being pregnant Please. is not a preclusion to military service. I was pregnant on shore duty, of course, but you know some women do get pregnant because women are the only ones who can get pregnant. Just putting that out there. So
0: so and, far, uh, and thank God for that. Although if you talk to a woke <laughs> person, they'll tell you no, there are trans men out there who get pregnant all the time, and they well, also I have I periods. On
13: my face the other day, and saw saw some male. Uh, airmen uh, with long ponytails in uniform. I about died. But anyway, uh, back to my point. The the military does have a lot of programs. My daughter was born three months premature, so she was in the NICU for 177 days. But they have what's called the Exceptional Family Member Program, and they will, and I was a single parent, unfortunately. I was able, in that program, to have some accommodations afforded to me and they will put you on a particular duty station where you don't have to deploy if your child is in the exceptional family member program also i was overseas i had adopted a child as a single woman and i was overseas and they they make you fill out a parenting plan to where if there's emergencies or something that you've got someone who can take care of your kid and you make arrangements all that so there are a lot of accommodations for pregnancy it's not a terminal disease it's a temporary condition and uh usually we get uh six weeks of maternity leave i didn't take mine because i didn't feel like i needed to my daughter was in the hospital but for some women they do need to take the whole six weeks as, as far as you know you were talking about abortion uh, Well. That wouldn't even enter my mind, but I know that there uh, there are some women who do want to do that. and, um, and, and well, I.
0: Carrie, let me ask you a question then, because this yeah. is the issue. The president signs a memo. He doesn't pass a law. The Congress doesn't pass a law. He signs a memo and says, if you're pregnant and you're in the military and you need to travel to another state because your state has limitations on abortion. Uh, and the limitations are generally six weeks or longer. Uh, you can't have an abortion in in some of the states. Idaho's one, Texas is one. Should the military give you three weeks of paid leave and travel expenses and pay for your abortion?
13: Yeah, I have a problem with anything that's signed by executive order and not passed by the legislature and the the Congress. But um, any type of medical situation, you usually do get medical leave, um, and that is paid, of course. Um, as far as travel expenses, uh, I wouldn't agree with that. But
0: um, Well, and, I, and the I, other piece yeah. of this, Carrie, that kind of relates to your situation, you didn't take the maternity leave because you said, look, my, my, my daughter's in the in the NICU unit, the neonatal intensive care unit, and so you didn't need to take it. Does anyone, I mean, in most cases where women seek abortions, I don't agree with it either. Like you, it sounds like you don't agree with it. But should we give okay. that person three weeks off for an abortion?
13: I think that that the the medical community and the, the patient, it, I, I, you, I don't know how long it takes to recover from abortion because I've never had one, thank God. Um, I don't believe that it's the right thing to do, but I don't think Agreed. it takes three weeks to recover. I took a few days because I was severely anemic. Um, I did take a few days, maybe like, four or five days and then I went back to work. Um, so I don't know, I think each case is, is different and I think it should be up to the commanding officer to and, and, and the doctor to determine how much time a woman needs to recover from
0: that. I would think so, too. Carrie, thanks for your service in uniform, and I'm glad to hear that your daughter did fine after 173 days in the NICU unit. This segment of the show brought to you by nickshivers.com. Go to nickshivers.com for all the details.
4: You're listening to the best of The Lars Larson Show. The
0: Lars. La- I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs, but how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, Precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So, with a self directed IRA, you're
1: not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio.
2: Would you like to learn more about self directed IRAs? Then go to IRAadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self directed IRA for you. Your retirement your way. Visit the professionals today at IRAadvantage.com.